Well, good morning. Um, our text this morning is Jonah's, Jonah chapters 1 and 2. I'll ask you to turn in your Bible there. In the Pew Bible, it's page 1436. And uh, I'm only going to read chapter 1. I want you to keep your Bibles open because I'd like to read chapter 2 when we get to that point in the sermon. Um, I think it's uh, critical. When I was walking up uh, into the sanctuary this morning, Craig Craig Dumais says to me, don't blow it. (laughs) And I got to tell you, two weeks ago I was in England all week on business, and I wrote a lot of this sermon on planes, trains, and automobiles. And then I got home this week, and I kept waking up at 2 in the morning because I was still on UK time. And so the other half of it was written at 2 in the morning several nights this week. But uh, I believe in the Holy Spirit, so ahead we will forge. Let's read Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After, pay, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, "'How can you sleep?' Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to see who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then the Lord took Jonah, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray that through the story of Jonah we'll see your amazing grace in a fresh and new way. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, every one of us probably has a fish story. I remember my first fish story. I was just a grade schooler. 
My family weren't fishing people, but they got me a little fishing pole. So I went off into the woods to a pond near my home. And those were in the days when you didn't need to send a security detail with your kids if they wandered away in the woods for three or four hours. And uh, I went to this little pound, pond, I dug up a couple of worms, and I tossed my pole, my, my line, into the water. I had never fished before in my life. Well, about five minutes later, all of a sudden I felt a tug on the pole. And I reeled it in slowly. I didn't even know how to set the hook or anything. And I pulled out a great big bullhead. I was so proud of that fish. I didn't know how to get it off the hook. I'm sure I butchered it trying to get it off and throw it back in the water. But what I remember most about that story was the thrill of catching that fish. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I remember the first time God used me to fish for a person. Um, I was living in Dallas. I was single. I was 23 years old. I was going to a good church. I had a roommate who I know didn't know the Lord. I said, Chris, why don't you come to church with me? He said, okay. He came to church with me. The gospel was preached. He heard about the grace of Jesus Christ, that he can be saved by God's grace through faith in Christ, not by his own works. And God saved him. Fast forward 39 years later today. Chris is still a friend. He's raised a Christian family. And he is still faithfully following the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I remember about that is God is the great angler fishing for men. And he used me. It was like the thrill of catching that bullhead. It was, it was the thrill of seeing God work and use me to share his grace with somebody who I loved. Well, this morning we're going to look very briefly at the book of Jonah. I titled this the world's greatest fish story because it's amazing, but God uses a fish to catch a man. So he is the ultimate angler, the ultimate fisher of men. And we're going to see two things. This is a, a two-point sermon, but I'm not promising there'll be short points. Probably, probably the only time I've ever preached a two-point sermon. Uh, so I'll preach these two points, and then we'll, we'll, we'll bring it to Christ. We'll bring it to Christ at the end. Point one is God's amazing grace toward Jonah, this prodigal prophet. And the second point I want you to see is God's heart for missions and the message of grace to a lost world. Jonah speaks of the timeless, universal message of God's amazing grace. And there's a lot of lessons in Jonah about racism, about justice, about, uh, you know, care for the lost. But the biggest message, the overarching message, is God's amazing grace. So first we see God's amazing grace to the prodigal prophet. Jonah's supposed to be God's prophet. I call him the prodigal prophet because he's like the prodigal son who squanders the riches of his father's inheritance for, for him. God says to Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh because I've heard about their wickedness and I want to give them an opportunity to repent. Well, you know, when God says to the prophet, arise and go... You expect the next thing to read in the text, and he arose and went. Not with Jonah. That's not what you get. In fact, Jonah goes the other direction. 
Nineveh, where God wants to send him, is 500 miles away in modern-day Iraq, about 200 miles north of Baghdad. He gets on a ship heading for Tarshish. That's in modern Spain, 2,500 miles from Israel in the other direction. So, uh, you know, when God says to the prophet, jump, the prophet's supposed to say, how high, Lord? Jonah's name means dove. So when God said to his dove, jump, his dove flew the coop. And, uh, and, and Jonah went the other way. Now, why? Why does Jonah disobey? What's going on in this text? Well, we learn that Nineveh, we know that Nineveh at the time of Jonah's life was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. They were mortal enemies of Israel. They were a ruthless and violent kingdom. Nineveh was a a violent city. These were the people who uh, swept through nations, carrying people off into captivity. They skinned people alive. They burned people alive, men, women, and children. Uh, And they're the same Assyrians that just about 30 years later would carry the ten tribes of the northern kingdom off into captivity. So you can see that they're, they're an enemy uh, of Israel. But God, and God has heard about their wickedness. And he wants to extend mercy. But Jonah has a problem. He doesn't want to see mercy for the Ninevites. It'd be kind of like somebody, God telling you, um, listen, I want you to um, take a trip to Russia right now and go to the Kremlin and preach to, uh, preach to um, Vladimir and his generals to repent. He'd be like, uh, okay, Lord, um, yeah, uh, I'll get right on that. Uh, um, that's kind of the situation that's going on here. Um, so, so Jonah doesn't want to give mercy. In fact, he tells us in chapter 4, when God finally gets him to Nineveh, he says this, after the people do repent and, and God relents and the city is saved, Jonah is angry. He says, Lord, that's what I tried to stop by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and rich in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So we see Jonah's heart is not in the right place. So he needs a reminder, like all of us do, that God's amazing grace has been lavished upon him. And that's what God does by giving him a taxi ride in a fish now let me i'm not going to tell the whole story but let me use a hebrew phrase an english phrase that's repeated in the hebrew there's a lot of phrases that are repeated in jonah it's it's a fantastic piece of hebrew literature Um, one of the words is hurl god hurls a wind uh, like like david hurls a javelin the sailors hurl the cargo overboard. The sailors hurl Jonah overboard. In chapter 2, it says God hurled Jonah overboard. So there's words like that, appointed. God appointed a fish. God appointed a storm. Uh, but, but one of the phrases that's repeated is he went down. Now, you know, geographically, whenever you go to Jerusalem, you go up because it's a picture of going to the holy city. And there's, it's saying more than a geographical point. It's it's, it's saying something about maybe um, you're going up to worship. But Jonah goes down. It says he went down to Joppa. That's a port city, modern-day Jaffa. 
in, uh, in Israel. He went down below deck. He laid down. He went into a deep sleep. While he's sleeping, God hurls this massive storm. And the, and the sailors discover that he's sleeping and they rebuke him. And the captain says, what are you doing sleeping? Wake up, sleepyhead. Um, and then uh, they're desperately trying to save him. He says, throw me overboard if you want to be saved. They don't want to do it. They row even harder, but the storm grows even greater. So they're not going to be able to, uh, to, to save him. So finally, with no other option, they hurl him overboard. And he goes down to the bottom of the sea. Now here's the point, folks. Uh, Jonah is in a complete mental, physical, and spiritual spiral down. And this is where God's grace makes a stunning and grand entrance into the scene. Look at verse 17. But the Lord, you've got a pen underline those lines, those words, but the Lord. Three of the greatest words, or sometimes in the Bible there are two words, but God. But God. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. But the Lord. God comes and swallows him up with this great fish to save him. And it reminds me of Ephesians chapter 2, which says, We were dead in our transgressions and sin, but God, but God who is rich in mercy, made us alive. It is by grace we have been saved. Now listen. Jonah survives three days in the belly of the whale. How did he survive those three days? I've heard pastors preach this. They're trying to like convince us it's not you know, some kind of myth or legend. And so I've, I've heard this preached like this. Um, well, you know, in 1942, a Japanese fisherman fell off a boat and he was swallowed up by a whale. And later on, they cut the whale open. They found the guy and he was alive. But his, his skin was bleached white, but he was alive. Uh, no, friends. Nobody survives three days and three nights inside of a fish. Nobody. What's happening here is a miracle of God. I think it's a resurrection. Not all biblical scholars would agree with me, but we're going to look at chapter 2. That's the psalm Jonah prays from the belly of the whale. And he, as he has gone down, his prayer goes up to God and he's, and he's saved. But even if he's, it's not a resurrection, God miraculously keeps Jonah alive. There's no other way to explain this. It's, not, uh, it's, it's, it's nothing else. Uh, let's look at chapter 2, and I want you to see the language of death that's here as Jonah prays this psalm from the belly of the, of the whale. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me, from the depths of the grave I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. This guy's drowning, right? This is a picture of drowning. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. He went all the way to the bottom of the ocean. The earth beneath barred me in forever. He, he pictures a prison. 
You brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remember you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. And here it is, the tagline, the theme of Jonah. Here it is, verse 9, second half. Salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on the, onto dry land. Friends, this is a story about God's amazing grace. And Jonah, who didn't give one whit about the lost people, his, his neighbors, his enemies in Nineveh, needed to be reminded that he too was saved by grace. He needed to be reminded of what God told Moses. I will have mercy on who I will have mercy. I will have compassion on who I will have compassion. He needs to be reminded that his own salvation was by God's grace. And that's where the taxi ride in the fish comes in. <laughs> that's where the, uh, the, the miracle comes in. Um, that, that's what's going on with Jonah. So um, I want to transition to point two. The first point there is God's amazing grace. God's sovereign grace that Jonah was the recipient of. Um, and not just Jonah, all of Israel. And not just all of Israel, all of the church of Jesus Christ. We've been the recipients of God's amazing grace. And we need to be reminded in the story of Jonah that salvation comes from the Lord. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It comes from the Lord. All right, point two. God's heart for missions and the limitless boundaries of his grace. The book of Jonah is filled with ironic twists and turns. You don't expect a prophet to run from God. You don't expect God to chase him down, hurling a storm, uh, arranging a fish for a taxi ride back in the direction of Nineveh. You don't expect the pagan sailors to act more noble than Jonah did. But they do, by God's common grace, they want to save him. He doesn't care at all about them. He's put them in danger. I suppose we shouldn't be surprised that God does all these things we don't expect. That's how God typically works. When he sent his son, the second person of the Trinity, to become flesh and to live a perfect life and to die for us, that's a real twist. That's a real surprise we would have never expected. And, uh, and, and that's what God does. He has a heart for missions. But the biggest ironic twist in this story is this. Jonah runs to Tarshish because he doesn't want these idol-worshiping pagans in Nineveh to know the Lord's mercy, right? So what does he do? He runs the other way. And what does God do when he's running the other way? God brings a group of idol-worshiping sailors on that ship to true faith. Look at this. We see this. That's the irony. He does exactly what Jonah doesn't want him to do. Um, look at verse 15 and 16. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and made vows to him. 
So this is the language of true conversion. It, the, the covenant name of God is used here. That the men greatly feared Yahweh. They made vows to him. They sacrificed, Thanksgiving sacrificed to him. The point here, folks, is that these guys were truly converted. And God shows his compassion, his care for the lost by bringing these sailors to faith in Christ. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and these sailors had more wisdom than Jonah had at this point. Isn't God great? I'm glad that he has a sense of humor <laughs> in, this, uh, in this situation. William Carey is known as the father of modern missions. He was a Baptist. He was a, a particular Baptist. That means he was a Calvinistic Baptist. And he believed that God not only saved people sovereignly, but that God had a, not only uh, appointed people to be saved, but that he appointed the way they would be saved, through missions, through the preaching of the word. So he went to his elder board, and he said, I believe God is calling me to be a missionary to India, idol-worshiping nation. At that moment, one of his elders said this to him, young man, when God wants to save the heathen, he'll save the heathen. He doesn't need you. Okay, Jonah. God has called us, friends, to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. But Jonah wanted to stay a keeper of the aquarium. Listen, from Genesis to Revelation, God's concern is to redeem people ever since creation because all people are created in the image of God. All people have dignity and worth. And with God's people, there's absolutely no room for racism, for, uh, for, for this hierarchy of people. But all people matter to God. So why did God choose the Jews? Was it because they were special and better than everyone else? No. He chose them, one, a people from, for the Messiah to come from, but two, he chose them to be a light to the nations, and they forgot about that. See, this isn't just about Jonah forgetting his mission. This is about Israel at the time forgetting their mission. And friends, we need to learn the lesson in the church. Go and make disciples. That's our mission. We can never, ever forget that. Jonah forgot God's purpose for, for Israel. In fact, when Jonah finally does get to Nineveh, he preaches. You know what his message is? Very simple message. 40 days and Nineveh's toast. That's it. Direct, concise, engaging. 40 days and Nineveh's toast. Uh, you know, and you know the rest of this story. They repent, and God relents, and he saves the people. You know, I think at the end of the day, Jonah gets it. You know why I, I think that? Number one, Jesus alludes to Jonah. In fact, Jonah was from Galilee, not far from where Jesus grew up. And um, we would not have the book of Jonah today if Jonah hadn't recorded these events. And so I think at the end, he got it. He got salvation is by grace, and God has a heart for missions. He got it. And we have to, we just have to remember that. So let me just, uh, let me wind this 
wind this message up this way. We've seen God's grace to this prodigal prophet. We've seen God's heart for missions and the unlimited boundaries of God's grace that aren't limited by race or culture or language or GPS location on this globe. But I would be remiss if I fail to know and to end this message on how Jonah points us to Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus himself uses Jonah as a sign from the Old Testament that pointed forward to his resurrection. Matthew 12, 40, I'll read it. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. This is partly why I believe that Jonah drowned and God resurrected him, and that's how he survived in that whale. But not every biblical scholar would agree. Uh, that's okay. Um, but, but whether God raised him or whether God just carried him through that miraculously, the point is that both Jonah and Jesus were in those graves for three days. Both Jonah and Jesus overcame the grave by the power of God. Both Jonah and Jesus preached repentance to the world. But there's a big difference, you see. Jonah's not the hero of this story, friends. can never make Jonah the hero. God is the hero of this story. And you see that in the way that Hebrew text folds out. It starts with God commanding him to go, and, and, and God appointing, and God hurling, and God saving, God delivering. This is a message about God's grace. And so I think this points to Jesus. Jonah points to Jesus, but it's those faults of Jonah which makes our Lord Jesus really shine. Here's what I mean. Jonah was disobedient and proud. Jesus was perfectly obedient and humble. Jonah preached because God forced his hand. Jesus preached because he loved the world. He had compassion for people. Jonah went down in a sort of spiritual malaise. Christ went down leaving heaven's glory, taking on flesh, humbling himself, and suffering death and torment of hell for us and for our salvation. Like Jonah, but in a much greater way, Jesus came up from the dead, and Jonah's the perfect passage to preach in Lent because it looks forward to the resurrection of Jesus. Jonah is a missionary, but he kind of leaves us wanting more, doesn't he? He's just not the kind of missionary we want and need. But friends, Jesus is the more. He's the missionary that we want and need. He is the ultimate compassionate missionary. Jonah's a message about compassion for lost sinners. And in order for us to be compassionate, we need to get our heads around the compassion that God has shown to us, just like Jonah had to get his head around the compassion God showed to him. It's only then that I can love my enemies. It's only then that I can love the Muslim family that just moved in next door. It's only then that I can befriend my Hindu co-worker and reach out to them in love. 
Friends, we've got to stop focusing on the sins of others so much that we forget the depths from which the Lord has pulled us out of the pit. We'd like to think that if we were Jonah, if only we had been swallowed by a fish only to be rescued, we'd live lives worthy of Christ and worthy of that mercy and compassion. But the truth is, we're Jonah. We're Jonah. And, and we don't. We have a much greater salvation than Jonah had being rescued in that fish. We have to remember from the pits from which God has rescued us. And I'll close with this verse from Ephesians 2. For God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. For it is by grace we have been saved. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message of Jonah and the message of grace. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be compassionate neighbors. Uh, Help us to be uh, fishers of men. Lord, use us. We love you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.